sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The feeling of the species is more deadly than a male. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by female-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the works of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people on the entire planet ariel hi hey girl how are you i'm doing good yeah, you hanging in there today's episode uh-huh yeah me too because this <laughs> is gonna be a really good one because folks that's not all we also have a very special guest coming to join us today hailing from one of my very favorite podcasts dads from the crypt it's my friend and the number one internet dad we did a poll they all agreed jason <laughs> Hello. We uh, we did come in number five on Podcast Magazine's Best Dads. You, in, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I'll take that. We were like 20 spots ahead of Joe Rogan, so he can Wow. Sign. Oh, yeah, I he like, can. <laughs> I feel like that's actually not a far enough distance. <laughs> you need to be on the infinity list so that he can be properly placed at the end. <laughs> oh, man. Well, how are you doing, Jason? Thank you for coming on our podcast. Are you ready oh, to talk about Lady Whore? Oh, yeah, I love it. I am. This is one of my. We're talking about my favorite movies. Guilty, totally guilty pleasure. So I am pumped. Oh, good. <laughs> I hope awesome. you guys have better have liked it. Cause just gonna it's be gonna me. get real awkward. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm the I'm usually the nice judge, and Ariel's the mean judge. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if that holds tonight. If the pattern holds. <laughs> so, okay. Obviously, we know you. We love you. But I want to ask you a few questions so that the the audience can get to know you and love you as much as we do. If they don't already. First of all, tell us about your show. Tell us about the amazing Dads from the Crypt. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so me, my buddies Jody and Mondo, we're three dads, and we have a podcast where we are reviewing uh, every episode of Tales from the Crypt, the old show from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but, you know, any, any group of bozos can really do that. So, <laughs> so we, we, we want to take it up a notch. You know, we try to do interviews with people from the show, directors, mm -hmm. actors, screenwriters, producers, people that worked on the effects. Uh, so we're trying to be, get, get behind the scenes a little bit. Um, so that's extra content. And then each episode, you know, we tie in a uh, music, a uh, song that relates to the episode, some trivia, and then we always have um, dad advice that ties into the episode, which may or may not actually fit the episode, may or may not actually be good advice. <laughs> I love that part of the show, though. Me too. It's one of my favorite parts. Like, all your stories, your all your guys' stories are so sweet. 
I love it. And it's like, we're like, we're talking about horror. But then also I had a sex ed conversation with my child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as as the host, my goal is just to get us through the episode review proper. And then I just let the rest of the episode go off the rails and go where it may. Uh-huh. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it does work. I, you have amazing guests on there. And I you, you slummed it for one episode and let me come on, which was oh, so please. much fun. <laughs> but no, it's true. We had such a good time. And like I, I loved, as the night goes on, one of the hosts is uh, feeling more of a merry mood as the night goes on. And he's so funny. And it, 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 it went some wild places which i was very <laughs> delighted to go along on the ride <laughs> yeah it's every episode's a bit of a ride and i'm okay with that yeah <laughs> i don't know it's like some people i wonder if they stop listening after the review and like Ugh, i don't want to deal with all the other stuff i'm just here for the crypt talk mm. and other people are more like i'm just here to hear these guys just ramble on about, <laughs> you know whatever the hell we come up with yeah, I love it because it's it gives a framing device for what is essentially just like a hang with you guys, mm-hmm. you know, and those are mm-hmm. my favorite kinds of part. Like I like an educational podcast that's really structured, blah, blah, blah. But my very favorite shows are always the ones where you like basically develop a parasocial relationship with them. You feel like you're <laughs> hanging out with friends. And I think your show definitely has that element. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, you have some great guests too. I the episode you did with the director of PG Psycho yes. Gorman was so good. <laughs> oh man. That was yeah, that was really fun and like it's like you don't know what to expect from that those kind of things. Sure. He's, just, he's just the coolest guy and we just had like a mutual friend and then I'm I just you know, you gotta take uh, a shot. Uh huh. Yeah. And um, you know, he liked our page and everything, and I just like Hi, you're really cool. You want to come hang out with us? (laughs) He was totally into it, so. Yeah, it was was a great conversation, and I loved all the behind the scenes of the Psycho Gorman movie where he was talking about putting the costume on him, Mm -hmm, the Jurassic mm -hmm. Park one. That was great. (laughs) Right, and, you know, I really lucked out with my co-host where I got, you know, Jody, who professionally does graphic design. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. whenever I want something just really zany or weird, like for our episode art, I can just like, hey, can you add Psycho Gorman? In the Alan Grant costume, <laughs> to like a picture of you know a woman cutting Joe Pesci in half with a chainsaw. <laughs> He's like, okay, Give me that right. yeah, you guys have great chemistry. I think that's a big part of it too. You know, like there's a good mix of personalities um, mm-hmm. on the show for sure. Well, yeah, the, the Mondo he's really into the editing, the technical aspects. So I never ever have to listen to an episode because actually oh, I don't that's... like hearing. My, <gasps> I don't like hearing myself. I, I can't it's, stand the sound of my voice. So it's hard. Yeah. I know. I'm fine yeah. passing it off, but they're they're more introverts comparatively. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Jason, you just do the scheduling and the organizational stuff, and we'll handle the rest. And I'm like, okay. So basically. It takes the three of us to do what someone like, you know, Caitlin Grant does on her own. Yeah. <laughs> right. <absolutely. laughs> yeah. Ariel and I split the the editing duties, so both of us are like very jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never having to hear my own voice sounds magical. Oh, shut up. You sound great. <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome well okay so i have some questions for you so okay. first of all we want to like let our listeners know like sort of what your perspective is what your taste is like what are some horror movies in addition to this one that you really love okay so like you know the exorcist is probably one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorites jaws you know all those you know the easy ones the classics the classics but really like 
my real jam is like Sleepaway Camp. Oh, no, okay. Like, I saw that probably in 97. Mm. Uh-huh. Just because I liked the box art and I knew nothing about it. And no one else had really heard about this. And I just popped it on because basically I saw, I hated horror when I was a kid. Like when I was a little oh, really? kid. Like I grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. So I was, I was like a cool kid. I went to high school. In the, I went to high school more in the mid nineties. So all the Freddy Krueger stuff scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And like I had nothing to do with that. I like sci-fi though. So I like King Kong and Godzilla and uh-huh. Alien and Aliens. But I never really yeah. wanted to go over to the horror. And then Scream came out, and that was like oh. my awakening. And gotcha. I remember I saw that probably three times in one week in the theater. Like, well, well okay, I saw it once. And then the next night I came back, I saw it, and I just stayed in the theater to watch it the second time. Like, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that was, that, that was my, quote, like I said, awakening. And because there's so many movies referenced in that movie, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. a Rosetta Stone almost. Sure. Yeah. Because, like, they talk about, like, Town of Dread, Sundown, and... Um, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but so many... Halloween. Like, yeah, yeah, it's all in there. It's all in there. So basically, I just made it my goal to, like, go seek out every movie referenced. And then, you know, once you, once you get to that, you're just way into the rabbit hole. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I just hung out in the horror section of, um, of uh, you know, Blockbuster or whatever. R.I.P. Um, our patron yeah, saint, Blockbuster. <laughs> but then, you know, I like the art for Sleepaway Camp. So I just popped that in one night randomly. You know, Did you know I the just, twist? I, no, when... I'm saying I knew nothing about that movie. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's about as cold as you could possibly get. All I knew was the box art. Because the, there was like barely an internet. It wasn't yeah. like, mm-hmm. wasn't like a horror internet. And I'm, gl- yeah. I'm glad the movie has become popular. And I met Felicia Rose um, a couple times. And she's just an amazing person. Um, but that movie just floored me on so many levels. Like... Not even the not even the ending, but just the whole movie because I used to work at camps and stuff, so I was really into camp horror. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of the few few movies that has actual campers present. Oh. Yeah, that's true because um, a lot of times it's just right. the counselors. Yeah, yeah and I find that kind of boring because it's usually like, oh, the counselors just want to you know get drunk and fuck or something. Right, right. Although um, I mean, it, it's not inaccurate. Not it's inaccurate. Not. <laughs> I remember want... camp is where I learned about, learned about finger blasting. I never heard of it before I went to summer camp. <laughs> No, 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 nothing wrong with that, but it gets a little repetitive. So that so finger blasting? Oh, (laughs) Oh, sorry, sorry. I wouldn't know about. I wouldn't know what the receiving end of that, but (laughs) welcome Um, to the show. (laughs) Um, Anyways, (laughs) sorry, Jason. So no, that's fine. So my, if you ask me what my tastes are, it's definitely the classics. I love Psycho. I saw Psycho. Uh, with like a, a an orchestra playing a like oh, four piece orchestra. Uh, yeah. Was in L A. No, San Francisco. Oh, okay, yeah, that was like freaking amazing. Yeah. Um I saw Jaws at the Hollywood Bowl with an Ooh. orchestra with a full on orchestra, and like Hollywood Bowl fits about twenty thousand, I think maybe fifteen. It was about half full, but still having like thousands of people sitting there watching Jaws and like the scene where they're in the scuba um, cage. Mm. And just hearing, you could hear a pin drop. It was so quiet. Wow, oh, amazing! And then when the shark pops up from behind them, everyone just jumps up. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> it was so cool. That's awesome. Um, I like a bit of everything, you know. Um, you know, I watch Calbender. Um, oh, good. Ray. Love that. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, garbage pail horror movie person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Us too, to be honest. Us yeah. too. So, okay. Well, what are some films or and filmmakers you think people are sleeping on that you're like, you guys, you're missing out. You got to get into this. Ooh, uh, that's that's a good question that I hadn't prepared for. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. On the spot. First, I make I you hella uncomfortable, and then I put you on the spot. Aren't you so well, glad think, you agreed to do this? Well, I think partly part of that is because, again, we're in a time where smaller movies and smaller filmmakers get so much more exposure. That's true. Than they, mm, yeah. than they did like 20, uh, 10 years ago, maybe. Um, yeah. Because so, everything's so much more acceptable. So, like, Ari Aster, like, if, he, if his movies came out 15, 20 years ago, they just. I don't know. I don't think they would have been as big as they are now. Mm, yeah, you um, might be right. Or eight twenty four. You know, it's just like putting out such amazing stuff. Um, right. Yeah. I will say uh, Stephen Kilkansky, the guy who did P- uh, Psycho Gorman. I think he's mm. actually very not not to like go too not yeah. to like what what's the word um, bro out too much over him, but I think he's actually <laughs> a very good filmmaker. And that and The Void. Um, oh were right, two That's very he did very that. good movies. And mm-hmm. actually. The one that I think people might be sleeping on is Ty West until mm. this year. Yeah, you're right. I, I was always kind of cold on him, but X was really? amazing. And I, I'm not going to say much, too much, but I did see a sneak preview of Pearl. Yeah. I literally have in my post-show notes, ask him about Pearl. <laughs> um, I'm not, all I'm going to say is I think people are going to be very happy. I'm so excited. That's what I not wanted to, to hear. Not to raise expectations, but... But if you liked X, this is of similar quality, or it's it's actually very different. I think I can see my I can see a lot of people liking are going to say they're going to like Pearl more. Oh, I'm not going to say why. I'm not going to say any details about the movie because I signed all the forms and everything. Yeah, totally Um, fair. But I'm curious to see how it plays the second time. Mm -hmm. But as an overall movie, I kind of like it more. Which is really weird just to think because X was such like throwback. Yeah. Oh, that makes me really love. excited because X was such a good movie. So if it's better than that. I, I, see, I like the first half of X better than the second half. Okay. I can like, see that. Once it pops off, yeah, mm-hmm. you get your gore shots and everything. But I just like going the ride with those characters. Yeah. Yeah. It They're does that thing characters. where it makes you actually care about them. So when they start dying, you're like, no. Right, like, <laughs> you're like, stakes are good, but them. also, no. I would have been actually okay with like a Boogie Nights kind of movie. Just uh-huh. follow the, like, mm. take out all the horror stuff and just follow the trajectory of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were good enough characters that you could have spent a whole movie just with them hanging out. Just them hanging out, just yeah. making the porno, and then, you know, see what happens afterwards. Kind of <laughs> um, so, yeah. I. I think I'm very curious what Ty West does after this, too. Yeah. I think I've seen most of his work. I have not Me seen too. his Western. I need to, what is it, In the Valley of Violence? Yeah, I, I think that's the only that. one I haven't seen. But I've liked mm-hmm. basically everything he's done. But you're right that until um, X came out, I feel like people didn't talk as much about The Sacrament or yeah, um, I love House the of the Sacrament. Devil or whatever. Yeah, the Innkeepers, I thought it was kind of snoozy. Ooh, yeah. yeah, I always forget about the <laughs> forget Innkeepers. About that, that one, one was like, well, that one had the opposite problem. It was like 90% good, and then like it ends. You're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a great answer. All right, we put you on the spot, and you came through. Clutch. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank Jason you. is clutch. All right, cool. Well, speaking of films and filmmakers that you love, you picked the movie we're going to be reviewing on today's show. 
Uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, directed by Rachel Talalay. This is going to be a first watch for me, so this is going to be fun to talk about. What made you decide this is the one you wanted to discuss? I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, if you take, like, the three biggest horror franchises, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're going to say Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and Friday the 13th. If you take sure. the five biggest and throw in, like, Texas Chainsaw and probably Chucky. Yeah. As far mm -hmm. as, like, classic slasher 80s to 90s. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm severely mistaken, none of them were directed by a woman. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you're and right. That's, that's shocking. You're talking like probably around 50 movies. Yeah. And like you think like accidentally. Yeah, you gotta get to Candyman <laughs> before there's a woman to write. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then that's even the remake. <laughs> right. Um, but also, you know, because we were talking and, you know, Freddy's. So basically when I when I did see Scream and then I decided to go back and beef up all my horror movies, I wanted to watch Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And I went into the video store and I knew that I think New Nightmare had come out by then. But I knew New Nightmare was kind of its own thing. So I'm like, you know what? I'm sure these movies have a coherent trajectory. So I'm going to watch the very first one and the quote last one. Uh-huh. So I don't have to watch mm. the middle ones. Because I, because you know, you just assume that they all make sense and they're uh -huh. all consistent. This is how like a sixty-one. <laughs> so I bought the first. I think I bought. I think I rented Nightmare One and Two, and then this one, which is six. Mm. Um, and I like so efficient. I know, and I like them. I like them all, but there's something about this one that I thought was really funny. I think this movie is really, really funny. It's oh always yeah. Held a special place in my heart with that i mean i love the first one uh it's as a scary scary movie two mm -hmm. i didn't appreciate till a couple years later as much mm, right. okay. but actually i love two now it's one of my favorites but on the whole that's for a whole other level um but this one is just a comfort total comfort goofy fun movie and then when you said hey do you want to come on can you think of a movie a woman's directed and then i was just looking at my shelf and that's the first thing that popped out on me yeah it oh, didn't nice. take you long to come up with one. Like, <laughs> i know <laughs> i was like cool let's do it <laughs> but again in the, in the, when you're talking about women identifying filmmakers who've done horror it's like why haven't there been any that have taken on the big series and you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's tragic almost that yeah. You get these really repetitive movies that, you know, like, come on, let's, let's do something a little bit different, get some different perspective in there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I totally hopefully agree. that's changing. I mean. No, it's totally, it's totally different now. But even the new Halloweens, you know, but mm, I think a lot of these series. Don't started on Halloween Kills. Okay. <laughs> don't do it. It will never end. <laughs> I will explode and the listeners have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the Candyman is was a great example. Um, yeah, of a really, really good. I, I have a couple issues with it, but overall, very, very sure. good. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's a great movie. Take on you know a classic, one of the the, the neo classic on whichever you call it. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, that was '90s, so I think probably neo classic is, you know, if we think of classics being what like, late '70s, early '80s. Well, I, I was thinking classics like Universal. Right, and also those, I was definitely thinking of those. <laughs> <because> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Rachel doesn't watch things that are in black and white. That's oh, not true! That's an, that is a oversimplification. I Barely. occasionally watch black and white. Have you seen, have you seen Brad of Frankenstein? 
Jason, have uh, I ever told you how pretty you are? <laughs> very, very I've been trying pretty. to get her to watch that movie for years. Oh, I'm just going to have to pick it for zombie girls one of these days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that, you have, have the... the power to make me watch these things. You said <laughs> right, you on... made me watch Agazuza. I want to be on that one, too. It's just like, oh, no. okay. Okay. Right, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah. On that. Get ready. You're gonna, it's going to be on the calendar soon because now Ariel feels very motivated to watch it. I'm a huge Frankenstein nut. I've got, I have a Frankenstein mouse pad. The fact that I have a mouse pad makes me old. I have like a three foot Frankenstein poster that I'm um, looking at right now on my wall. I have my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Raphael Frankenstein figure. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I have a cup that says Sassy Squatch, and it has a Sasquatch <laughs> skipping on it. Am, am I doing this right? Am I participating correctly? <laughs> I've seen the original Frankenstein. I watched that, you know, yes. Ariel. That movie, I, I, I went on a binge and watched a lot of them recently, and that movie is very good, like, innovation-wise. Mm-hmm. But I do think Bride is probably the more, quote, enjoyable movie. And that's partly because the language of film was just developing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it was, it's a better evolution of that movie. Yeah. I can see that as it being more like broadly liked in that way, especially cause the first one is, it's really emotional too. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many gut punches in that movie. Well, also what I realized watching it is that the, the first one has like no score and like, there's something off putting about that in a way that mm, to yeah. us as modern listeners, Oh, where gotcha. Where the second one does, I think that helps things out. Like again, as a modern listener that watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was my problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> no, but I am I'm totally down to watch Bride of Frankenstein, especially if Jason, you're gonna come join us and like go through the full zombie girls gauntlet. Have to talk to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. So um let's get into our review, but really quickly, Ariel, can you let our listeners and new listeners know what our spoiler policy is here? Yeah, so first Rachel's going to tell us about the director and the making of the movie, and then the three of us are going to go into our non-spoiler thoughts, whether we think this movie is worth checking out, or whether we liked it. And then after that, I'm going to give a synopsis that's going to spoil everything. So everything's off on the table. If you don't like that, go watch the movie and then come back. It's on HBO Max, or you can rent it on VOD, like anywhere. Very widely available. Is and the this spoiler has that Freddie dies? Ooh, sorry, folks. <laughs> I mean, the title is Freddy's Dead, but... But maybe it was ironic, like... Yeah, that's true. Freddy's dead inside, and he needs to find the inner <laughs> monster that once lived. I don't know. Doesn't he die in every single movie? To be fair, yeah. this movie also came out in 1991, like we're more than 20 years past. You had your so. chance. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually almost like the 31st anniversary. Oh, shit, you're right. 1991. 1990- Oh my god! I swear I can do math. <laughs> you don't want to it admit makes me feel it was so fucking ago. old. No, I, I didn't. Yes, I think that's I know. what happened. Okay, now that you've turned me into the crypt keeper, I did not think this was dad's <laughs> from the crypt, but here we are. It's infectious. <laughs> I guess. All right, awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about Rachel Talole. She is an American filmmaker, and like so many of the women that we've profiled on the show, she is so cool. She's so cool. Seriously. She's originally from Illinois, uh, but lived most of her life in Baltimore, which will be important, important detail later. 
as well as some time in Britain. Both of her parents were in the sciences. Her mother is a, was a biochemist and her father was a pharmacologist. And they both really, 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 really wanted her to follow in their footsteps and go into the sciences as well. Oops. But Rachel, <laughs> yep, she's a bit of a rebel. So instead, I mean, like, what do you do if uh, you're rebelling against being a biochemist and, or a <laughs> pharmacologist? You go right. into the arts. So that's what she did. That being said, she did go to a little college. You may or may not have heard. Of. I don't know if we're all academics on this show. Uh, it's called Yale, where she mm-hmm. majored in. <laughs> I've seen the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> References I did not expect on today's show. <laughs> uh, where she majored in mathematics and graduated in 1980. But they're you know more in line with who she would go on to become. Her passion for film was clear right from the start, and she was also she also ran the Yale Film Society. Oh, okay, yeah. So her first film, again, I told you, like I said, she lived in Baltimore. The first film she ever worked on was as a production assistant in Polyester by John Waters. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. her first gig, and part of her job dream freaking job was to drive divine and eddie the egg lady around oh my gosh that's so cool isn't that amazing so seven years later she became a producer on hairspray which was absolutely a seminal film in my childhood i watched that so many times and then like watched some other john waters and was like Uh i'm not ready back (laughs) (laughs) you get into the deep end real quick with john waters films everything else is deep end Uh (laughs) literally everything else is deep end (laughs) Um, well, later she went on to be the producer on Cry Baby as well, and she got really close to John Waters to the point where he is the person who officiated her wedding. That's so Aww. cool. How sweet. I mean, living the dream life. Okay. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So Freddie's Dead was her directorial debut, and we'll come back to that in a little bit, like how that all went down. But after that, she went on to direct a sci-fi horror film called Ghost in the Machine, followed by a movie, the movie that she's probably most well-known for, Tank Girl. Yes. Uh, Yes. She considers this film to be her passion piece. Uh, She ended up making it following her stepdaughter, giving her the comic. And then she was like obsessed and needed to make the movie because she just like really connected to it. It's like that sort of punk aesthetic as well as just sort of like kick-ass ladies who are not afraid to be outspoken. Like it all just like fit in with her personal like punk ethos. So she's like very, very proud of the legacy of that film. She knew it would be divisive when she made it. She's like, I'm making a movie the people are going to love or they're going to hate. They're either going to get it or they're not. And so she's totally fine with that happening that dichotomy happening and it you know one of the things she's most proud of is that legacy of having a cult film where people still to this day come to her and say like you know i met my wife you know seeing this movie or um my mom showed me this movie as like an empowerment film when i was a kid and you know those kinds of things where they really impacted their lives is something she's incredibly proud of to this day i'm just looking at right now it's such an amazing cast yeah it does yeah yeah I mean, I love that movie. It's yeah. as we'll probably get into in this episode. Like, is it a perfect film? No. Do I care? No, I do not. Right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Was, and visually, yeah. it's it's stunning. It's such a cool yeah. looking film. Mm-hmm. Like, she's very much driven by that. Like, trying to make things yeah. visually appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, which definitely was a driver in the choices that she made moving forward. Because she transitioned from film into mostly television. Um, And she's had an incredible career directing in TV. 
her credits include Supernatural, Sherlock, Doctor Who. I mean, it's like a nerd again. Okay. <laughs> Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, American Gods, Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale, and <clears throat> the Puppet Patrol episode of Doom Patrol. If you are not watching Doom Patrol, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> that episode is also, I did had no idea that she was the director on it, but it was like the episode where I went, oh, this show is genius. This is Ooh. a brilliant, subversive, oh, weird show. It's so bizarre and now having seen this movie i'm like of course this was her first movie the person that directed that episode (laughs) um most recently she directed a babysitter's guide to monster hunting for netflix and has been working on the flash series not the troubled film we Mm -hmm. don't need to go into that i guess um as well as a podcast it's called series agent stoker oh okay yeah, so if you're up, if you like podcasts, I mean, I can't imagine anyone in the audience would oh, be into podcasts. <laughs> the, the hosts are so pretentious, right? Like, how much of a narcissist do you have to be to have a podcast or five of them? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the making of this movie. As I mentioned, Freddie's Dead was her directorial debut, but it was far from her first time working in on a nightmare film. She was actually with the series from the very beginning. Uh, she was working as an accountant accountant for New Line when the first Nightmare on Elm Street came out, uh, like was going into production, and they wanted her to come on and be an accountant on that. And she was at this point had started working in production, and she was like, "No, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to do production." Uh, so she, they made her a location manager on that film. On the second film, they came back to her and asked her to do it again. And she was like, nope, I want to be the production manager. So they gave her that role. On the third film, they again were like, want to do that again? And she said, nope, I want to be the line producer. So they made her the line producer. On the fourth film, she became a straight-up producer. And at the same time, she said, I want to direct the sixth film. And she got it, which what is a awesome. badass. I mean, yeah. just pushing each movie to get a bigger and bigger role in them in the 80s. I mean, that's that's pretty spectacular. Way to go. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. impressed. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, you think she's been on a part of the franchise from the start, right? Like, they're going to respect her. But despite oh. all of her experience, Damn she it. still <laughs> received internal memos from, like, production saying, warning her not to be, quote, too girly or, quote, too sensitive. Ugh. Ugh. Man, <laughs> yeah, you got me all hyped. Like, <laughs> and then it just, uh I mean, she still did it, though, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's still impressive. But, like, the fact that she had so much experience with this franchise and they still couldn't just, like, turn over the reins to a woman. Not too girly now. Not too girly. Gross. (laughs) All right. So, New Line, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, has been nicknamed the house that Freddie built because of the massive impact it had on that production company. Like, it really did build that studio. But over the course of time, there had been five films and they were like, we need to wrap this up. We want to move on to the other franchises we're starting to get, trying to get going, including Critters. So that was a great choice. And then <laughs> a callback to something Jason just said, uh, the TMNT franchise. Because don't you have a TMNT? Oh, yeah. yeah Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I want to make sure that I didn't fugue out and just make that up. It's been a long I, I day. Forgot, it's I very possible. I forgot for a minute they're in the line. <laughs> so they decided, you know what? Let's kill them off for good. So... The film story is credited to Rachel, and the screenplay was written by Michael DeLuca, who had previously written some Freddy's Nightmare episodes, and would go on to write one of my all-time faves, In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. I knew I I recognized that. 
Right? <laughs> I know. Me too, because I just recently watched that again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that name is ringing bells. But I hadn't like made the connection. So when I saw it, I was like, ooh. It felt like a little tinfoil hat moment for me. <laughs> Everything's connected. <laughs> Everything's connected. Okay. But it that wasn't the first script that was proposed for the film. I don't know if you guys know this, but there yeah, was another screen. You know about this. Mm-hmm. Do you remember who the writer was? It was uh, Peter Jackson. Mr. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Crazy. Point. Trivia yeah. point for Jason. <laughs> so, yeah. His version was real, real different. Real different. For instance, in the, his version, the teenagers were not afraid of Freddy because he had grown old in the dream world and gotten very weak. So they would take oh. sleeping pills to go hang out in the dream world and, like, would beat him up. What the hell? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, John Doe was explicitly the, uh, the son of Alice. And that's because oh, they couldn't get the her to come child. back. Okay, yes. Gotcha. They couldn't get her to come back. So instead, they just like made him John Doe and then just never told us who he was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of okay with that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Anyway, Rachel hated the script. So they decided not to use it and they reworked it. So she wanted to incorporate more humor. She wanted the movie to be like a little bit more fun. Twin Peaks had just come out and she was inspired by that and a bunch of mm, other kind of, she okay. just wanted to lighten things up for the last step thing. And if you think about her legacy of working in like John Waters films. Yeah, it kind of makes eh, sense. It kind of tracks. Or like yeah. Tank Girl, eh, kind of tracks. The other thing they added was 3D. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's funny watching it not in 3D. I love it's it. It's so yes. obvious when they get to that point. See, I didn't know why. I was just like, this is a weird remnant uh-huh. of <laughs> I guess of the 90s where she puts on. So that's like the cue for the audience who saw right. it in the theater. Put on that's the when you put them on. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's not like as egregious as like as Halloween 3, uh, Halloween uh, 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 Friday 3, where like every scene has to have like some 3D. Yes, comeback. that's true. <laughs> Something coming at you. Yeah. Or Jaws 3D. Yeah. Unlike previous films, Freddy's Dead had to do very little editing in terms of its violent sequences for the MPA rating. Instead, all of the cuts were essentially for length. By the time she was done, she had cut 47 minutes out of the film. Oh, God, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Yeah, I, my my buddy Mondo, my co-host, actually found, like, online a, like, Mm -hmm. assembly cut of this. Oh, really? And And I watched that, and I don't remember, there was lots of little things. The biggest thing was that there's a scene in the first quarter of the movie where Lisa Zane's character goes and talks to her mom or something like that. It's like her birthday. Mm. Okay. And it steps up the mom character much, much sooner because she just kind of pops up in like the last right. quarter. Right. For like 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it was largely cut. Like background stuff was cut mm-hmm. as well as like I guess there was also some more at the Springwood Fair that got cut. Like mm, that makes sense because it seemed like it was going to be a bigger thing, you know. It's a and then it just kind of ends, and then it just yeah, yeah it gets cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reason for that was they wanted to quote get to Freddy faster. So I haven't seen the assembly cut, so I can't speak to whether it was a good idea or not. But that yeah. is what happened. Gotcha. As a publicity stunt for the release of the film, they had a mock funeral for Freddy <laughs> at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery with cast and crew attending. That is so cool. It's kind yeah. of awesome. Yeah. There's, there's pictures you can find online of them. That's like, awesome. Going up to a casket and everything. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> the film was released theatrically in September of 1991, where it made $12.9 million in its opening weekend, which was the highest opening weekend in the series until oh, wow. Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. And it was the biggest September opening at the time, ranking number one at the box office. In the second weekend, it stayed at number one 
and earned $6.6 million. And then in the third week, it finally dropped down to number seven. In its initial run, it grossed $34.9 million in the United States and Canada. And it is the fifth highest grossing film in the franchise. So not number six. <laughs> so there is that. Okay. <laughs> it's not exactly a critical darling. Yeah. It currently has 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. But what the hell do critics know anyway? <laughs> and it's available to stream now on HBO Max. That's what I did. Yep. And that's what I got. Awesome. That was great. Yeah. Is that all right? Yes. <laughs> You're the master of these. Okay. Oh, okay. No, well, no, really As good. a fan, if you approve, then that's yeah. all I needed. All, all fully validated. She seems fascinating. And I watched like a little video of her talking and she seems really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, if you, if you watch the um, Never Sleep Again, the, uh-huh. the eight hour oh, uh-huh. retrospective, yeah, she's in a lot yeah. of it. Oh, nice. Well, this is making me want to watch it because yeah. I'm fan. I fan really good. Oh, okay. I feel like I have additional homework to do before I do that, but we'll get into uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, eight, nine hours to spend. You know. Oh, it's going to be more than it's... that, my friend. We'll get there. <laughs> All right, let's get into what we thought of this movie. Jason, as our guest, in a non-spoilery way, how do you feel about this film? What do you like? What do you think about it? I mean, I already said, you know, <laughs> this is my catnip. I'm, I'm all in for it. Um, yeah, this movie is silly. And it's supposed to be silly, and if you're on for that ride, you're going to have a lot of fun. Because by the sixth movie, you can't really make Freddy scary anymore. Mm, I mean, yeah. It'd be really, really hard. I mean, nothing's impossible. But um, especially after the fifth one, it's is, is actually really a bit of a downer, dark, gothic movie. That's that true. Kinda, yeah. It's not... Eh, I, don't, I don't like that one very much. Um in this one, like, you just kind of go do a, a whole U-turn, and it's got a great cast with some amazing cameos that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, it's <laughs> as hell, and again, <laughs> if you get on for that ride, it's great. It's funny you talked about the MPA, because it could almost be PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, a, it's almost bloodless. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's got a couple moments, and it actually does have some very serious themes that it kind of yes, like, lingers around. Yeah, it sure does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but the tone is just so wacky. It's very Looney Tunes almost in mm-hmm. parts. And I don't know. It's just, it's yes. just such a U-turn from, from everything that came before. I'm like, okay, I'm down for that. Um, but yeah, if, if you're in for it, if you're down for that, you're gonna have a great time. If you just can't like within the first couple minutes and there's a scene, there's a little bit, uh, if we yeah. want to say it right now, but if when you hit that, if you're like, this is stupid or if you're like, that's hilarious, then you'll know which way you're going to go. <laughs> that's true yeah, that's, that's a good true. barometer <laughs> don't be such a pussy <laughs> that's not it but I do love that line that's the one line I wrote down in my notes <laughs> yeah so like I said on the top this was a first watch for me and I really did not know what to expect going in I, my impression was that this was like a controversial entry and conclusion to the franchise but that was pretty much everything I knew about it and I, I think you kind of nailed it. Like, I think for purists who are, like, very invested in, like, the mythology of this franchise or with the earliest films, like, this movie is probably going to activate your inner neckbeard. <laughs> like, I can see why people are angry on the internet about it. However, if, like me, you like, you know, I like Freddy. Freddy's cool. And I recognize that he is an, an icon of the franchise, unquestionably. But... I'm not that invested in the, in the mythology. So to me, 
I just thought this movie was a lot of fun. Oh, good. And I know that this was... No, 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 no. I'm going to say nice things about this. I mean, I obviously, there's criticisms to be had oh, about yeah. this, but I actually don't really feel like a ton of critical analysis is for a film like this is... Like, for what? You know what I mean? It is what it is. <laughs> um, like, I think you described to me, like, this is like your comfort food movie or like something mm-hmm. that... Yeah. And like, I totally get that. That absolutely tracks for me. It's very wacky. It's very silly. And it's a little bit sick in the way that Freddie tends to be, but in this sort of light, breezy way. Um, and it's, it, it's it rough around the edges? Yeah. But in a way that is kind of charming? Mm-hmm. Like, um, does it always make a ton of sense plot-wise? No. But that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're really talking about a just a series of dream sequences anyway. So what are you going to do in stream logic? Uh, despite all that, though, I was like never bored. I was often giggling. And the cameos, like you said, we'll get into it. They're so much fun. I think oftentimes when we think about like quote unquote good horror, what we really mean is like complex or challenging. And that's great. Uh, we talk about those kinds of movies on here all the time. But it's easy to get snobby and think that like that's the be all end all of the genre. And it's really not. Like there's this other part of it that's just about escapism. And as horror fans, like being able to have those opportunities to just kind of play with these genre tropes in a way that is kind of light and fun is just as enjoyable. And I think that this is definitely in that that side of things. And it's perfect slumber party fair. That's yes. the one thing I was thinking. Like, and that to me is a huge compliment because like so much of my horror fandom like originated in a yeah. room surrounded by giggling and screaming girls. And this mm. is totally a movie you want to watch with other people. Like I watched it by myself mostly on my laptop but i there were so many times because i didn't want to like hog the tv you know what i mean like i watch a lot of stuff for podcasts so i didn't want to once again be taking over the tv um but there were so many times where i had to like stop and rewind and show my partner something that he finally was like (laughs) just put it on the tv i want to i'm in i'm in like i got to the like now you're playing with power and it it went it went from small screen to big screen Uh (laughs) and we just like giggled and had so much fun watching it so so yeah i think if that sounds like your jam you should definitely give this a shot all right how about you ariel what did you think yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you guys. I am always down for a movie that's super goofy. I mean, Rachel knows that one of my favorites is Tammy and the T-Rex, and oh, I nice. don't. <laughs> so if I if I can give that a lot of praise, I can definitely heap praise on this movie, too. Um, this movie is Freddy at his most slapstick and goofy. And so while it doesn't have any of the scary elements that especially the first one had, it's a lot of fun. I mean, this movie is dumb fun. It's a stupid movie, but it's really fun. And really <laughs> I mean, it is. I'm sorry. I mean, the plot doesn't cares. totally hold together. It gets bogged down in like Freddy's expanding backstory and stuff. But <laughs> all of the little like set pieces in between are just silly and fun. And the sort of kind of slightly over the top acting style of everybody involved is also really fun and enjoyable and feels very of the time that it was made. And I think, Rachel, you're so right about the slumber party thing. I did not see this when it originally came out. Um, I think I would have been too little. But I saw it in high school because I had a friend who owned, like, all of the movies. And we did – we used to marathon. And so I watched this one. I'm going to guess I was, like, 16. I enjoyed it a lot then even. But I think had I seen it at a slumber party at age, like, 11 or 12, it would probably hold the special place in my heart that it obviously does for Jason. I think if you – 
you know, maybe I saw it when I was too jaded of a teenager, so it didn't stick with me as much. But I feel like if you saw it at the perfect age, it might live in infamy in your mind because there's so much silly, fun stuff in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if that's like your jam, I think you're really going to like it. It's definitely lower on my list of like the nightmare movies that I really love, but I think it's a good time. So this is the movie, if, if you like <laughs> fun, you'll like this movie. Yeah. If you're a joyless asshole, you're going to hate it. But if you still have a morsel of serotonin in your body, get ready. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, Jason, are you feeling okay? I know you put yourself no, out no. there with this, you know, sharing something you loved. No, I'm very happy. I'm very, I'd be very curious what a horror fan that's ever seen this in today's climate would think of this yeah. movie. So I'm pleasantly surprised. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, if we were going to get into critical analysis, would there be things we could nitpick in this? Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, of, of course. Of course. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, it's like the same thing. I think I said something similar with Tammy and the T-Rex. Like, it is pointless to give do critical analysis on this. This is, yeah. a, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a gut movie. Like, you either, it, it's a have fun, not like, let's delve, delve deeply into the themes. Although well, I do think there is some of that in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there, there, there actually are quite a few themes that we can pick mm-hmm. out. It's just there's such a layer of camp on top of it mm-hmm. you have to dig mm-hmm. through but um i think the, the thing the trick to a movie like this a movie like this and Tammy the t-rex and whatever you want to lump in there is is it fun or boring yeah the, right a movie can a movie can try to be silly but then it might fail and be boring that is yeah, so true which is the yeah. worst um yeah that's a crime yeah i'm trying to get something off the top of my head but uh, it's eluding me but uh this movie is never boring and that's what and if you can have silly but as long as it's not boring silly yeah, there's like the every set piece, there's something. There's a couple mm-hmm. there, that are actually genuinely creepy. Like, we'll get into the ear thing, which is oh, yeah. your nightmare fuel. As if you listen to me talk on Bloody Good Horror, you know how I feel about things in my ears. <laughs> 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 not a fan. Con. I swear I did not know that when you, uh, when I said Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't care. I, I like being scary. Are you kidding? Like, I'm a. We're all horror fans. We're chasing that dragon. And like <laughs> when you're when you start out, everything's so scary. And then like 20, 30 years go by and you're just like, I'm a husk. Nothing frightens <laughs> me anymore. <laughs> you're just like deeper and deeper into the torture point just to feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Ariel, lay that synopsis on us. Oh, by the way, we are now entering the spoiler zone. If you are a first time listener. This is me killing time for you to like scramble to find your phone and hit pause because we're going to spoil the shit out of this. And there are, you think, oh, it's a Freddy movie. I got this. No, 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 no. There are things <laughs> that, that can be spoiled in this. Yeah, <laughs> so, this is true. Is this where you play like some Kenny Loggins about going to the spoiler zone? Yes. Oh my gosh, we should. We need that. <laughs> we need like a, yeah, like a knockoff. Or, we need like the asylum <laughs> version of the, of the spoiler zone <laughs> like just add an extra note in there and then it's you know it's like vanilla ice nobody can sue us good. then yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right people have had enough time ariel let's hear the, the synopsis of this movie all right so freddy krueger has killed every kid in the town of springwood ohio except for a teenager who is called john doe for the whole movie he is confronted by freddy in a dream and when he wakes up He's outside of the Springwood city limits, but because he hit his head, he doesn't remember who he is or why he's there. John is picked up by authorities and taken to a youth shelter where three other teams named Carlos, Tracy, and Spencer are planning to run away. 
John Doe has a scrap of newspaper in his pocket from Springwood detailing the Freddy Krueger case. His caseworker, Dr. Maggie Burroughs, thinks taking a road trip to the nearby town may jog his memory. The three teens from the shelter stow away in the van, but are discovered halfway through the trip. The teens try to leave the town, but end up mysteriously driving around in circles, unable to escape the city limits. Giving up for the night, they decide to spend the night in none other than Freddy's old house on Elm Street. But when Spencer and Carlos fall asleep, Freddy dispatches them. Meanwhile, Maggie and John Doe discover that Freddy Krueger had a child, and John thinks it must be him because he let him live. Maggie, John, and Tracy all flee, but on the way out of town, Freddy attacks and kills John in his dream, but not before telling him that his child was actually a girl. When Maggie and Tracy get back to the shelter, no one seems to remember the three teens who Freddy killed except for Doc, who I think is a psychologist, right? Yeah, so he's some yeah. sort of therapist. Like yeah. A dream hypnotherapist. He, yeah, thing. and he knows how to control dreams or whatever. Maggie finds out that she was adopted and that she is, in fact, Freddy's child. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Doc finds out that Freddy's power comes from dream demons who keep reviving him and that Freddy can only be killed if he's pulled into the real world. So Maggie sets out to kill him. When she's in the dream world, she enters Freddy's mind in a little 3d scene where she learns that freddy tortured small animals as a kid was abused by his foster father murdered his wife after she found out that he was killing kids and then was set on fire by angry parents and given the power to become immortal by demons who knew as, as you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> finally maggie is able to pull freddy into the real world and they end up fighting maggie uses weapons confiscated from kids at the shelter and tears off freddy's glove stabs him with it through his stomach then Tracy tosses Maggie a pipe bomb, which she throws into Freddy's chest. and <laughs> He explodes and the demons uh, fly away. And bye, Freddy. You're dead. The end. Yep. <laughs> the end. Well, Freddy's dead. I did like that she said the name of the movie at the end. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then cue up a song called Freddy's Dead. As yeah, a montage of all of the scenes in the entire <laughs> right. series. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that is good. I did like so that. So that too. one, like the the Razzie that year, but I don't, I don't know. I kind of think it slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of into it. I watched the whole damn thing. <laughs> I also all like right. that he basically rolls his eyes and he's like, "Kids, right?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best slash worst moment in the entire series. <laughs> fair, definitely fair. Okay, cool. So now all the spoiler restraints are off. Talk to me about this movie, Jason. Okay, so the first I want to clarify. The moment I was talking about the know that whether you're in or out of this movie is when Freddy is dressed up as the Wicked Witch of the West. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and says Good point. Oh, something to the effect of, you know, I'm going to get your soul too or something like that. And yeah. like, I remember, I distinctly remember that moment. That's forever, like, burned into my brain as a kid. Like, what is happening? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're I right, though. It is kind of like, yeah, do I go or do I, yeah. At yeah. that point, it's a, it's a, it's a pivot point uh, for fans. You're either going to be real mad or really excited. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the fuck is this? Or like, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, there's so many moments of that with like Freddy, like Wiley e. Coyotes, like a whole bed of uh, nails or spikes <laughs> as this kid falling into it. It's just those silly little moments that are just so funny. You know, there's the the uh, power glove. 
you know, where Freddy's controlling Breckenmeyer yes. as he's in the dream. There's just so many awesome, stupid things that. Yeah, that scene such... was that scene was good, especially because he hasn't like bouncing around the house like you would jump if you were Mario. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> funny, and the power glove. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous, but it is an enjoyable scene. Yeah, and it's actually a really good cast. I'm a huge Yafit Kodo fan. I just, I just love uh, that guy. I just want to yes. him. Yeah, I was like Parker. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and, um, I forgot his name, but he's a Bond villain. He was in um, Homicide: Life on the Streets, like my, my favorite like crime procedural. Uh huh. Mm. Uh, he's such a great guy. And then he got the cameos. He got Alice freaking Cooper as Freddie's yes. dad. Yeah, and Roseanne Barr. I was and like, Roseanne and Tom. We were in our Discord, and I, I was just like, as Cammy, I was like, Roseanne's in this? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Um, and then also, another great one is Johnny Depp doing the um, like, yeah. brain on drugs. Yeah, that's, that's, that was really cool. Because that commercial was everywhere. And, oh, like, my God. We all yeah. used to make fun of that as kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, and, that, and I think it actually sums up why partly why I love this movie, because it's so irreverent. It yes. kind of gets what kids are thinking and kind of feeling at that time. Because if you notice... Interesting. All, yeah. If, if we're going to get into themes, if you want to talk about a theme in this... Sure. Is all the monsters are parents in this movie. Yeah, that's true. So, mm-hmm. you know, Freddy is, is a parent. Um, you know, uh, uh, Breckenmeyer's father is, you know, be like me, be like me, that that kind of cartoonish character. Tracy's um, abusive, creepy Tracy's father. abusive, creepy father and Carlos's mother... Yeah. So it's kind of it's it's kind of speaks to kids, I think, in a way. Mm. That's like you know, not yeah. to say not to say all, especially as a dad, I'd say all parents are terrible, but there are a lot of <laughs> terrible parents. <laughs> and you know, there's a, I think there's a certain, certain catharsis, or at least as a kid, you know, you might think, oh my dad, your parents are being so unfair because they won't let me do X, Y, Z, or right, whatever. yeah. And even if you don't something. have bad parents, you might think that and mm-hmm. still relate to it. And you're right that it's also very of the time that it was made because it has all of these actors and references from you know the early 90s ladies yeah this is also like the dare era yeah um mm-hmm. and there's like a scene where maggie is kind of uh interrogating uh john doe when she's first meeting him and if you look around there's like all these posters about cocaine and marijuana and all these drugs uh-huh. <laughs> and she's like just like obsessed she's not actually listening to what he has to say she's just like so what do you want what do you want what do you want Instead of, like, right, to what and she gives Breckenmeyer a hard time when he's smoking pot in the van. Right, when uh, really like, she should have been talking about that Paul Revere hair. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Revere hair. But at the same time, with with Spencer, the Breckenmeyer character, you're like you want to feel sorry for him, but he also blew up his dad's car. Oh, so yeah, you're right. Kind of, he totally so, did. So you're kind of like, oh, that. that little scamp. Oh, wait, no, he's an arsonist. He's making <laughs> in, in the child shelter. That's so true. Um, there's just a lot of moments like that. Also, like, again, you have a child shelter in the city one over from Springfield, and no one's noticed that all the other kids are dead in this city. Right. Like, you know? I I love the the very like escape from New York computer opening yes. was yes. one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> and why ten years from now? What, what was the point of that? Because we all know that in 1994 it turned into the Jetsons, and uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole it's world more changed. very futuristic. Now, this was like Freddy in space, or like Freddy in the future, like with hoverboards and shit. Right? There's literally no never... reason why it had to be set in the future at all. It's, Freddy it's never funny. went to space, did he? No, did he? No. Okay, 
He's the only one that didn't do Shout that. out to uh, Johnny Boots. Yeah. Uh, I, but... I enjoy a, a franchise that goes to space personally. Me too. Yeah, totally. You Jason know, X I... is a better movie than people give it credit for. Oh, it's totally. <laughs> and I, I will stand for, um, what is it, Hellraiser 3? Four. 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 Yeah, where Four it's lines. partially in space. I'm like, yeah. That's Go dope. to space. Yeah. Go to space. <laughs> <laughs> Leatherface in space. Make it happen. Leatherface in space. <laughs> leather space. <laughs> it can't leather, be worse leather than that. Spa- leather space. Leather space. <laughs> I mean, that's a different movie, Jason. Um, <laughs> there's definitely finger blasting in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of finger blasting, what this movie really does, though, is like the totally plays. I'll, no, I'm going to make this tie in. I'm totally going to tie this in. So what I do like about this movie is for as off the wall and off script it is, it does play the hits. Because you do have that scene mm-hmm. of Freddy doing what? Slicing off his fingers, which he does in pretty mm-hmm. much every other movie. At least yeah, that's true. He definitely does in the first one. I can't remember. I'm blanking of whichever other ones. But there's a lot of like little homages into that. And I do like the Freddy flashback scenes the, for the backstory. I don't know. I'm a sucker for that. that, that like They like, gave us that bit of mythology. Mm-hmm. You know, we, all, we all know the son of a hundred maniacs, but you know we get to see him as a kid and then as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it's interesting that in the final chapter, it was important to kind of humanize them. When I was trying thinking about themes as well, was if this movie is about you said the parents are the villains, but also like conquering that trauma, like humanizing these people we build up to be monsters, and is one of the ways to show that they have vulnerabilities and can be defeated. I think is another like kind of interesting mm-hmm. takeaway from this film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting because on the one hand, I think it's kind of fascinating to get that backstory and to have it spelled out for you in that way. And I guess it does make sense to to do that before you kill him to show, like you were saying, that he is human. I don't know if you needed all of it, but no. and it. I think that the way that it's laid out in the movie is a little confusing too. Yeah. I mean, I think it would not work if it wasn't Robert England. Like, he's such a, car- yes. like a charisma bomb that you're like, this is <laughs> yeah. stupid, but I'm here because I'm enjoying getting to see him fully emote. You right. know? I mean, I think that's what's interesting about having him without the Freddy makeup on, you know, mm-hmm. just as him, is that there's something deeply unsettling about him, but also yeah. super <laughs> likable, even though, you know, he's like the yeah. serial killer who's about to kill his, you know, beat his wife to death. It's interesting, and I, I feel like not many actors could pull that off. He has you know? the twinkle, you know what yes. I mean? Like the twinkle yes. in his eye that makes him such a good Freddy that, you know, right. the, I can't think of the actor's name now. I'll look it up. I know this is a pet peeve of Jason's to not know actors' names. But in the remake, I really like that oh, actor. John Earl Haley? John Earl yeah. Haley? Yes. Yes. He, he doesn't have the twinkle. He doesn't yeah. have, like, the cheekiness. And yeah. so what's interesting is to see that translate out of the makeup into a human serial killer. It's just, it's an interesting character. It's a reminder of why he is ready, why he is an icon, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. He has that, yeah. Like I said, charisma. Yes. Yes. Gravitas, charisma. Like there is something, there is something special about him. Like it's that lightning in a bottle of the right project and the right casting mm-hmm. that you forget under the makeup. And then some of it, you you get to see it in a different perspective when you get to see the same character, but out of the makeup. It's, it's just an interesting kind of, if you're a fan of the franchise to see, even if I know some people have feelings about this movie, I think that's an, in, like as a completist, you should at least see it for that reason alone. 
Yeah, definitely. And I know, you know, like I said, it had been so long since I had seen this, but I still remember that scene where he beat his head's wife against the gazebo or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. that stuck with me all these years. Well, what's interesting about how they deal with his character in this movie is it's almost very kind of matter of fact. Like I remember like in the first movie, he's always in shadows. He's kind of mm -hmm. popping out and you just see like little glimpses here. He's just walking around. It's Oh, totally. You're just yeah. kind of following him. And, and that's not to say they're like irreverence to the character, but I think it's more, the whole movie is a surreal, is mm -hmm. surreal to begin with. He's just like another piece of, in the surreal tapestry of a movie. This movie also has a lot of, and this is true of the franchise in general, like a lot of really fun visual gags. Like I mm -hmm. talked about the ear monsters are really creepy. I also really love the scene where he's being pulled out of the dream world. I keep wanting to call it the dreaming because I've just been watching a bunch of Sandman. <laughs> the dream world. Um, and his head is kind of bulbous and, and then his arms are stretching. I love all those little visual moments. That to me is quintessential nightmare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that for me, the the sort of a little bit of a letdown with it is that I think that there aren't as many of those sort of bigger death set pieces that mm. are so memorable, you know, where they're like really creative kills in weird ones <laughs> in other movies um, in the series, you know, it's like that, that one from dream warriors, the, you know, welcome to primetime bitch, like television mm -hmm. one or the Stop one where, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the one where the guy I think in four or five is turned into a, cyborg motorcycle yeah. or you know the puppet <laughs> or like the roach motel one from number four that one's really good where the woman like young woman turns into a cockroach <laughs> and then obviously in the first one you've got that blood geyser and like the spinning room one and i just think there are less of those big really creative ones in this movie there's more slapstick and like funny moments but there are less mm -hmm. of those like really cool kills which yeah. you're reminded of in that montage at the end. Like exactly. When they're, yeah. they're, they're like dragging the body bag. You're like, oh, yeah. right. This used to be scary as hell. I've just yeah. been giggling for the last two hours. Yeah. yeah I mean, the Carlos death is by far, I think, the, 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 yeah. the most like impactful on, on many levels because that's something I think, you know, ear trauma and then, you know, yeah. it's dealing with senses and, you know, someone with a disability being turned against him. Mm -hmm. It's just like extra cruel and mean. Yeah, um, also fleshy spider ears. Uh, I mean, I'll... yeah, yeah, it's very body horror, body <laughs> mm -hmm. horror moment. But it's also really kind of funny because he's like, for he's like creeping up behind them and like doing that thing where you jump behind someone and yelling at them and they can't hear you. Um, so it's still like still, still silly. And funny. Yeah, <laughs> I was very very sad to be wearing headphones when he started scratching that chalkboard. I was like, no. Oh. Oh. oh no <laughs> i was right there with the character that was my one true nightmare moment in this i was like i am in this film and i do not like it right <laughs> and again i think that's just like in keeping with you know what they're trying to do make more of a, a lighter um nightmare movie mm -hmm. even yeah. with all those even with all, all those mean moments but they're still like keeping it fun yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen the first three movies many times over the years, but it had been a long time since I had seen this, like, later half of the series. So I rewatched four and five before I watched six. I had totally forgotten that they don't actually connect character-wise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I decided to watch them. And I think what's interesting about the series as a whole is it almost feels like a game of telephone a little bit. Yeah. Each movie, <laughs> like, the director didn't watch the previous one. They just heard about it. And the farther you get along, the more more sort of silly it becomes until you get this ultimate like 
goofy slapstick camp fest, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally tracks. all right so we've said many many things we like about this we have to be a little bit critical were there any things about this starting with you jason that like you admit maybe don't work for you yeah sure i mean the dream demons are silly as fuck i mean there's there's no thing around that they're like little sperms yeah this ain't a dad's podcast okay we keep it real here on the yeah and to give that kind of hokey mythical bit at the the last minute of a series is kind of like okay whatever yeah it's almost over explaining yeah like i didn't hold up thorn moment Yes. Yes. It's yeah. Very cool exactly. Um, but again, because the movie is so silly and you know loose with everything, it doesn't. It just kind of you just kind of go with it. Mm-hmm. Like if they play this movie straight, it would be terrible. Oh yeah, it would be <laughs> awful. It would be so bad. But again, because you got the Twin Peaks influence and. Um, the Looney Tunes and, and yeah. you know, the, the, the John Waters sensibilities, it kind of just glosses over everything. But yeah, I'll totally admit that the acting is not good, which again, doesn't matter, but really <laughs> I feel like it's not good in a way that like Rachel was saying is sort of charming and feels mm-hmm. very much 1991, you know? Yeah, yeah, like Trace, the actress that plays Tracy just got turned up to like 11. <laughs> yeah. Everything she oh says and does. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would totally, I totally admit to those things. But again, this is a, kind of like a critic-proof movie because it's just, <laughs> right. it's just throwing things at the wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like about ten movies squished into one, and partly because every character is introduced. Like, you're like, oh, that's the main character. Oh no, that's right. the main character. Oh no, no, that's definitely the main character. So when we finally get to the twist, and you're like, the main character was the person we met halfway. What? Like it's kind of wild you, in that way. As someone who just watched this for the first time, did you think he was Freddie's son? I thought that Tracy was going to be the daughter. That's oh. what I thought the first time I watched it too. I remember. I that. was like, yeah. I mean, when I first, I didn't think I didn't I, at that point. By the time it got to where he had a child, because okay, so Jason, I'm just going to own it right now. Yeah. I've not seen most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I've seen one, three. This one and New Nightmare. <laughs> so you see most of the good, seen... most of the best ones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One, that three makes and New Nightmare are my favorites. So, you but I watch, d- you should watch two though. For I need yeah. to watch. Least... I want to watch them all I, because I it's a it's a total shame hole for me. I as a horror lifetime horror fan and horror podcaster that I have not seen all of these is shameful. But like, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> you have so much time on this on this yep, Yeah. Right. Right, um, like definitely watch two, then watch the Mark Pattison documentary that goes with it. Yes, yeah. I mean, like I'm aware of it because of like it's so in the cultural zeitgeist. Like, how do you not know? Um, and I've seen other things with him. Like, I saw that new, very strange body horror one where there's a lot of things being removed from butts. But um, anyway, I won't get into that. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I so I don't know. I don't know how I got into this. 
track, but I oh I remember I I was not familiar at all with the like dream I like I know the phrase dream child, but I oh, wasn't gotcha. even thinking of like lineage and stuff like that when I was going into this. So when all the child stuff came up, that was all twisty twist for me. <laughs> and what then was... like retroactively, I learned about Alice, and I was like, okay. I'm going to say her name like I know when I do this enough. <laughs> What's funny is that if you, because they, because they, they reference, like he had a child in 1964. Right. So if you did math, you'd realize the child would have to at least be in the thirties. So that sure. kind of like. I think I proved bit. earlier that I can't do math though, but. Well, <laughs> yeah, this is a kind of thinking movie and the guy, and you're also kind of getting that from a deranged character. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think I remember when I first watched it, it was like, well, she's at this youth shelter. She doesn't seem to have parents because I hadn't, you know, we hadn't gotten to that later scene with her dad. So it made sense to me that, you know, Freddie would be her dad. But if you do that, would cause some trauma. It would make you not want people to touch you if your dad was Freddie. You know what I mean? So I I feel, I feel validated in my, my mistake. I think it makes sense. (laughs) I I don't remember. I probably, I probably was like, oh, he's got to be the son, right? Right. I mean, he's introduced in a that. It, that's why it's yeah. so interesting that I do think it's kind of ballsy that they just kill him off when he was falling from the sky. I was like, psha psha. They're they're gonna wake him up, you know, because he's our main character. Yeah. And then he dies, and I was like, and we're wait, over what? <laughs> wait, say what now? Wait, who's our what? And now the, you know, like because even when other people have gone missing, he still feels central. And so, but then retroactively, you're like, oh, I guess she was as well, but she's the adult. What? Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. And in some ways, that's kind of fun, right? But yeah, I mean, it's I, new. They've never done that. An adult being the one that he's after. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also speaking of gender stuff in this movie. There's the first one where no women are killed. Yeah, that's true. Because multiple women have lived in other ones, but there were women that were killed in those movies, too. And I wonder if this ha- speaks to the fact that Rachel Talele was the director. Is this one feels the least mean-spirited about women? Like, he does say, like, say bitch a couple times because he has to contractually. He must say bitch a few times. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... What's his name? Scary Terry style? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love Scary Terry and his lovely family, home life. Mm. But this one doesn't feel quite as misogynistic as some of the other ones do that I've seen. Um... Yeah, I'm trying to think because there's that scene in six, I want to say, where yes, like, the woman I who's the model. Definitely seen it. Yeah. Yeah. He like basically feeds her to death. He like stuffs her full of food because there's this whole plot line about her mom insisting she has to be skinny. So, yeah, I, there are mm-hmm. things like that that maybe wouldn't have happened had a woman been at the helm, you know? And I mean, it's not, it's, it's subtle. And I, I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about it till we were like actually talking about it. Cause I started, you started talking about the kills and, and the differences in terms of the gender politics in this. And I think just generally it's a little bit gentler with its women. Maybe that's what the notes were too girly about. I don't know. Yeah. Too sensitive and too girly. Right. Like right. we need a little bit more misogyny. <laughs> Could he call some Can't more bitches? Have the men die. <laughs> I mean, he did, she did start the movie in the most. In the funniest way, with two, not one, but two quotes. One by Nietzsche, if you want to start, like, getting pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> and then one from a previous movie so in your odd. series. <laughs> so weird. I like it, though. I feel like oh, that actually it. sets yeah. the tone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, mean, the, 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 like, it's like, here's this, like, super esoteric <laughs> quote yes. that no one really understands. Yeah. And then we're just going to play the hit. 
Right. Because I mean, that's that's the thing about this movie is that, you know, that's sort of out of place is is the tone of it. Right. Because so much of it is like we've been saying slapstick, very humor forward. But then there are also these other scenes that are super dark. I mean, a lot of the stuff with, you know, Freddie's backstory and then like we were talking about Tracy's abusive father, that scene is very upsetting and very creepy. Mm-hmm. Although well, I do think it was handled well by the director. Well, it's, it's handled very well. But yeah. Are you, are you guys aware that she actually brought brought to fate, uh, brought to service repressed memories for her? For the director what? or for no, Tracy? No, for the actress, for uh, oh, Lizzie. Oh, shit. No. So it, it, this is something, if you watch the documentary, so she was like a model slash actress. Supposedly she, uh, according to her Wikipedia, she was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader for six weeks until she punched the choreographer. Oh, damn. <laughs> I <laughs> like her. Like her character, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then Maybe she, she wasn't this... acting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then she does the scene, and afterwards she, like, can't stop crying. Oh, my God. And she like they, they they talk it out, and hopefully she got some therapy, and then she realized sure. that she actually was did have some oh, uh, wow. child abuse that occurred. And well, that's, that's heartbreaking. Of, yeah, it's really, it just adds a whole other level to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I do feel like the director handles a lot of these scenes, these harder scenes, really well. It's just oddly placed in the movie. Do you know what I mean? Because like. It's so different than the tone of the rest of the movie. I think that that's probably true. That's uh, it's just yeah. so much of it is slapstick and campy, and then mm-hmm. it goes so dark, you know, and so yeah. serious. But then it kind of ends with a joke where, like, she beats right. The that's what I'm saying. Like it's like clay. it's like gives you whip whiplash a little bit, you know. Right, and then she like kung fu's, you know, Freddy Krueger, and it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just okay. Back back to regular schedule programming. Freddy gets yeah. the beat down in this movie. It's well, kind of wild how everybody kind of kicks his ass. Yeah, that's the odd thing about it is that he's actually not very good at his whole job in this movie. <laughs> like his whole job is like killing people in these very creative ways. And he's usually stronger and wittier and faster thinking. And he can turn people into like crazy things. And in this one, people are just like slapping the shit out of him and doing whatever the hell they want. You know, Dude, it's like yeah. all you have is a baseball bat and you can beat up Freddy Krueger. What? Come on. He gets a full like Freddy. Freddy's got Nards moment in this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does get kicked in the balls. Yeah. Nothing's nothing's left. This is the kitchen sink movie. <laughs> you want to see Freddy get kicked in the nuts? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the poster. Re-release the film. <laughs> Criterion Collection by way of Jason. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, did anybody else have any other sort of criticisms they wanted to cons or things that didn't work for them? I think I've said all of mine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I did really think this was a fun movie. It's just, there's a lot wrong with it, but it's like a good time anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I just will say one more, even though I'm asking for cons was pretty into the sleep demons. (laughs) I kind (laughs) of loved it. I, there, I, okay. I wrote a treatment. I I did, but for fun. And like, it was about the Sumerian sleep demons uh-huh. called the Demu. And so when I saw them, I got very excited. Oh, I was God. like, that's yeah, a thing. That that's a yeah. thing. <laughs> so is it stupid? Yes, but it's also a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's fun. And like the way that they look feels very, you know, in keeping with a lot of the other silly things mm-hmm. that happen in this movie. And yeah. so I think it's a, just another scene that kind of makes you chuckle you know yeah they don't make a ton of sense and like they're a little cheesy but they're fun like when they're in the furnace and they're like you know what we want (laughs) (laughs) 
I want to know who Give the clip art what right, it wants. Yes. <laughs> <The> clip art. <laughs> like the flying toasters. That's what it reminds me of. I love it. <laughs> See, I'm dating myself yeah. today. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so overall, Jason, would you recommend this movie? <sighs> to whom? I guess this is the you can couch it like we do caveats all the time we'll be like if you don't like art house you're not gonna like this movie you know so how if how would you, you like, recommend this if you like fun you'll like this movie yeah okay how about you miss ariel yeah i agree i mean don't go into this expecting something extraordinary and definitely don't go in thinking you're getting nightmare one because you're not but if you just right. want to have a good time and watch something silly and like put your brain on the back burner this is the movie for you you know the world is dark we're Absolutely. living through a painful time. We've got multiple pandemics on our hands, like between <laughs> COVID and monkeypox and like Trump Indeed stealing is. the nuclear codes. Did you guys see this? That's <laughs> yes. what he took? Okay. Oh, like we and he's probably gonna be our president again. So like get some freaking joy where you can, is what I'm saying. I say everybody watch this movie easy <laughs> recommend have a good time get over yourself just laugh you're gonna yep. see breck and myers get turned into like literal jump man it's amazing come on get over yourself it's fun watch get it over yourself <laughs> that's my recommendation of this movie awesome. i like that you love this movie and came on the show to get us to watch it and you gave us the like most caveated recommend <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. So for those of you at home, now that I've yelled at you and, and definitely alienated you, sorry, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us a line at Rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcast Plural where Ariel is always dropping the hottest horror memes. Aww. Definitely want to follow us there. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight because you've already watched Freddy's Dead because you want joy in your life, you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all the million platforms on our website. And you click through and watch them from there. And uh, if you want some cool new gear and you already like you're, you're sitting there, you've got your dad's from the crypt shirt on, you're, you're flossed out, but you need something to wear tomorrow, then you should check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love us and want to support us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods or support us on Patreon. We get extended episodes, bonus episodes, you get to hang out on the Discord, uh, all kinds of good stuff. You want to do it. It's awesome. All right. So that's our plugs. Let's do what really matters. Let's talk a little bit more about Dads in the Crypt. One more plug and where they can follow you if they want more of you in their life because I'm sure they're fully hooked now. All right. So we are on uh, Instagram, Dads from the Crypt. Our Twitter handle is Crypt Dads, which was a, a happy accident because Dads in the Crypt was too long. And now <laughs> we get tons of uh, cryptocurrency bros. Oh, no! Are you a millionaire? Yeah, How I much mean, Dogecoin do you have now? We just start. We just start like Crip Keeper coin, Crip coin. <gasps> yeah, do it, do it. If it wasn't probably copyrighted, all the hell, I probably would. Um, let's see. And we're on. We started YouTube because um, some people like to watch podcasts on YouTube for some reason. I don't understand it, but more power to you. <laughs> so you can search for us there. We're on all the podcast uh, catchers everywhere so um yeah find us wherever spotify you know itunes you know where to find podcasts by now 
<laughs> this is 2022. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you found us, right? right. We're not we're not the most prominent podcast. So if you could dig through the internet to find us, you should be able to find them. <laughs> and, so, and, and also the thing about our podcast is we're about a show that aired over 30 years ago that you cannot even stream legally anymore. Um, <laughs> it's for the true fans. <laughs> so, well, okay, you can find it without much trouble. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's like a but, tube um, where you would go to the tube. You would go to the tube. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. tubular websites. Um, <laughs> but a, I, actually, a lot of people I know listen to it without ever actually having to watch the episode. So, like me, yeah, if I'm going to listen sure. to like a, a movie podcast, I'm going to watch the movie before. Most more often than not, I make that mm-hmm. effort. But with this show, because it's so hard to find, and you know, who's got the time really? To watch a 22-minute TV show. Um, A lot of people, we do, we we just do a full spoiler drop at the beginning of every episode because there's not that much plot really happening. So some people just listen to it without even watching the episodes or ever ever having seen the show. Empowered to them just because they enjoy, I guess, us for some reason. Yeah, sure. And, you know, we've got lots of great interviews and we just do a lot of one-off stuff. We just had... Sometimes we'll just pick a movie and we'll just review it just for shits and giggles. And then, you know, we couldn't record one week, but me and Mono just got on the phone together. And we just debated Metallica's Ride Lightning versus Master of Puppets, track by track. <laughs> we'll, we'll just do random stuff like that just for fun. So, you know, give us a shot, please. Please, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try. They're great. They are super great. Uh, the episode I was on was for Beauty Rust and... I was just remembering. So I, when I was on there, you guys do video. At some point, we are going to graduate to video. We have to. I think like that's where yeah. stuff is going. Yeah, like you said, people want to watch it things. on freaking YouTube. Um, but I had made a background because there's this perfume in the episode that's called Ballbuster, and it has like basically like testicles on it. Like chocolates. And, and it was fun. Everybody laughed, had a good time. Less well received the next day when I went into a work meeting with <gasps> still accidentally no! the background. Oh, no. <laughs> there was a a little bit of a scramble and wouldn't you know it, HR was in that meeting. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> I don't know how many people saw it. Unfortunately I work at like a publication that is pretty like sex positive. So it wasn't like a huge it wasn't like I was like at Apple or something. It's not, it's, <laughs> but it's still the picture wasn't like unless you're like looking closely. Yeah, it says ball buster on it. Yeah, that's true. And I am the <laughs> boss. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was definitely one of those things where if you know it, it's like, haha, that's funny. But if you don't, you're like, I just learned something about that. Right. <laughs> oh, like, no, no, it's a really funny story. <laughs> it's the more I try to explain it, the more I'm sure I sound like full shit. Okay, so you know what? I almost forgot because I didn't put it on the timeline and um, I can only have two thoughts in my head at one time. We need to rank the movies of a oh. of Nightmare on Elm Street. Hell, I'm going to go first since my list will be the shortest. Okay, <laughs> let's hear it. Off the top of my head, I think I would go three. Okay. Then one. Then six, then new nightmare. That's my order. Mm, okay. So actually, and that reminds me that we. Um, so there's this guy that we just happen to become friends with on Instagram. Um, he wrote a book recently about the entire nightmare series, and we did like a lot of interviews, but not not the usual interviews, but like more like this is the, what the production designer was thinking, and this is what the cool the costume meant, uh, designer meant by this. Oh, okay. So he does a lot of really good. I think it's. 
I should have his name right by downs. His first name is Wayne. I forget his last name. Um, but anyways, it's a really, really cool book. So we did a whole episode where we interviewed him, and then we did we actually did like I made spreadsheets, John Snar style. Mm. And I, I did like a Google form where we each per, each of us could like write in our things, and then I tried to copy it, but I was high, so I did it wrong. <laughs> um, okay, so this is my ranking, and again, we did it by your personal favorites. Like, what would you put on first? In what order? Not like okay. what you think quality wise is best. So oh, my, my okay. number one was the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Number mm-hmm. two is Freddy's Dead. Number three is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Nightmare 2. Then New Nightmare. And Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And Nightmare on Elm Street 5. I just, I don't like 5. But I, yeah, I will say, I will say I'm actually a big fan of Freddy vs. Jason. Because that was like the first Jason slash Freddy movie I ever saw in the theater. Yeah. So I haven't so seen that. kind of holds a special place. <laughs> I've only it's seen. I only issues. saw that once in the theater. I remember not being like a huge fan of it, but I haven't watched it since then. So I don't know. It's very of its time, new metal, blah blah blah. Sure, blah, but sure. There's a lot of nostalgia again for that. Yeah. Okay, so I think I would go Nightmare on Elm Street one, then number three, then two, New Nightmare, then six, four, and five. Yeah. So what you're saying is you like fun towards the uh, latter half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would actually, now that I know the way that you are approaching it, like what would I put on? I would change it slightly. I would go three, six, one. Oh. New oh. Nightmare. Okay. Because one is the, sk- it's like, obviously it's a classic, but it's, I don't in- have as much fun. Wa- like it's not something I'm drawn to, like drawn to watch again mm-hmm. and again. So okay. I, yeah, I think that would be my order. Nice. Slight alteration. All right. Awesome. We'll well, you'll, you, thank you. We'll let you know Are you forward. not merciful? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm right. So soft. That's, you're soft? No, I was going to say, I'm a soft Softy. dog, so it's okay. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? All right. So that just leaves our plan for the next episode. Ariel, what is happening next episode? All right, so next episode, we have another very exciting guest coming on. The guys from Horror Queers are joining us, and we are going to be reviewing MFA, which is a big rape revenge movie that we have never covered on the show, so I'm really excited about that. It is directed by Natalia Leite, and it is about the accidental death of her rapist sets an art student on a course for justice, fueling the inspiration for her thesis exhibition. Have you seen this one before, Ariel? So, interestingly, no. <laughs> okay. That is interesting. That's the most interesting thing I've heard all day. <laughs> so, it's one that I had always intended to see and for some reason didn't. And then when we started the show, I was like, well, we'll cover it eventually. So, I, I'll just hold off. I did watch it the other day, though. So, I'm very okay. excited to talk about it. Yes. I think it has Clint Eastwood's daughter as the lead character. Oh, shit. That's his daughter? I believe so. Oh. She well, I guess I'll it... find out when I do the research. <laughs> I guess so. That's right. It's your turn. Ha ha. This one I get to coast. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jason, this has been so much fun. You were an amazing guest. Well, thank it's you. always fun. so it's always so fun to hang out with you. You crack yeah, me up. I'm, this was great. I do so apologize nice if I made you uncomfortable. No, no, no. I am my humor can be a little bit much (laughs) okay good 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 and we hope you'll come back again especially when we do bride of frankenstein i'm there for it 
It'd All right. Love to have you... both of you uh, uh, back to the crypt soon. Oh, I Anytime. would love that. I love Tales from the Crypt. I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. Anytime. Excellent. You guys are a good time. Like, it's. I know I'm going to have a good time when I hang out with you guys. So anytime <laughs> you, you want. Especially when you're both on the West Coast. This just makes things so much easier. Right? Oh, yeah. True. I know. It's so complicated. West Coast is the best yeah. coast. <laughs> Whenever we have, like, guests from the East Coast, it is it is kind of a, like, when we have, like, logistical have, nightmare. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Like, yeah, they're well, worth it. Yes. Yeah, no, totally. But it's like Jody, Jody's on the Jody's in, on the east, some on the east coast. Mondo's in Vegas, so we're all kind of different time zones. I just made the rule that oh. we're all just on the west coast. Yeah, time zone. That's <laughs> the only time zone I'll recognize. God, see, I got to be qu- stop being such a people pleaser. I'm constantly doing time zone math, and I don't know why anybody lets me do it because it's always wrong. I know it's like <laughs> literally two hours or three hours difference, but it is beyond me. Oh, I yes. always get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you heard it here, folks. This is not the last you've heard of Jason. He will be back. Like Freddy, he will never stay dead. He will be back. <laughs> On that super die. goofy ass <laughs> note. Question my mortality. Well, you know, it's I'm I'm gonna go kiss Rachel... my kids goodnight now. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Rachel Talley starts with existentialism. Rachel Chateau ends with it. There we go. Ariel, get out of here before I make Jason hate us forever. No, I love you all. You're great. Um, yeah, before we say goodbye real quick, I just wanted to what? say that I was on Bloody Good Horror this week. So by the time right. this episode drops, it'll already be out. And we talked about the movie Prey. Oh, and it nice. was a lot of fun to talk about the Predator prequel. So good. So check that out. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to our review of Freddy's Dead. I hope you enjoyed all of us talking about the ridiculous slapstick and the fun Freddy Krueger stuff. And thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. This was a great time. And we will be back in two weeks with MFA and the Horror Queers crew. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Neal. That is a very good question. If you could completely eliminate anxiety from your life, would you give up chocolate? Yes, 100%. I'll tell you why. Because I've had to give up tons of foods for migraine stuff. Yeah. Like they make you do a full elimination diet where you basically cut out every food and then you slowly add them back in. Yeah. And if I know that if something like works, I'll just cut it out. So if it, if it would get rid of anxiety or like that, you know, those cycles of thinking that you can't get out of just by giving what's it that like i i wouldn't know <laughs> i would do it in a heartbeat even though chocolate is like my number one love in life no just kidding but it's like high <laughs> it's right like like when other people people offer me sweets that are not chocolate i'm like but why <laughs> like, why do you insult me in this way do you not respect me do you yeah. not like me is this some subtle sabotage <laughs> why would you give me something sweet that's not chocolate this is bullshit <laughs> like i'm trying to think aside from fruit if there's anything sweet that i like crave or want oh cheesecake okay two things Ooh, all right yeah those things so those are not insults to my family
and <laughs> my legacy and everything that I stand for. But like, if you try to give me like a slice of fruit fucking pie, do you hate me? Okay, so I don't feel that strongly because I love a good fruit pie, but in general, especially with candy, I'm always like, why are you eating Ew. candy that's not chocolate? Like, who wants like, that? A Jolly Rancher? You Ugh, know what I don't get? And I think me. this is generational, maybe. Like, yeah. what is with the sour candy? <laughs> that's not candy. Right, right. It's just like some weird like grooming to turn you into an IPA drinker because you're taught to drink, you know, enjoy things that taste bad. Yeah. It is. (laughs) Listen, I'm not trying to say that I have uncovered a conspiracy, but like I've uncovered a conspiracy. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, like big gummy has, it probably has steak in some like, you know, disgusting, Oh, Rachel's IPA. bringing out her tinfoil hat again. <laughs> <laughs> IPA. This is how they give people like IPAs. Like, That's getting what I'm them saying. Like, sour you get them sauce. young. You te- tell them, you know, this disgusting thing that's burning your mouth that you, it's good. It's candy. You like it. So then when they get older, they're like, here's this disgusting Christmas tree flavored bullshit sap, <laughs> like disgusting bong water beer, but it's beer. You like it. See, tell me like, I, I I don't need to pull out a board with string and and push pins. Uh-huh, like the, uh-huh. the lines are obvious. It's already there. <laughs> Once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> You're so crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, so I have listener mail. Oh, you do? I do. Okay. I do. It, it's like a I, I didn't we had a guest on, so I didn't want to do it, you know, uh-huh. on the show. Well, I mean, and it, it's mostly I mean, it's about you. So. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yes. Uh-huh. So I'm going to put Now I'm getting nervous. Like, did, would you – because I don't, I don't think you're the type – I think you're the type of friend who if somebody sent in an email that was insulting me, you would just bury it and never tell me. I wouldn't bury it. I would bury them. <laughs> <laughs> of course I would not bring it to you because I would be in prison. <laughs> I love you. I love you, too. All right, so do, 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 do. so longtime listener oh. of the show, our beloved prodigal Doug returns. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Doug! I don't in think we've heard said, from him since he recommended that movie on Zombie Girls, right? Exactly. I wrote him back. I said, "Yes, the prodigal Doug returns." I will definitely <laughs> be reading this on the show. And promises made, promises kept. Okay, so this one is podcast thought from doug he says the new tagline for the more deadly podcast come for the whore stay for the aerial talk (laughs) i mean agree (laughs) not wrong (laughs) he says i've got no opinion on the thruple per se (laughs) oh Oh, man i had blocked that out of my head i totally forgot we talked about that But from all my listening to the ZG family of podcasts, I'm certain that the right person or persons will be in your stellar orbit and not be a hider in the walls or a pizza leaving ghost or a hanger outer altogether. (laughs) I agree with Rachel and all of the ZGs that you deserve the best. Oh, that's so nice, Doug. You're going to make me cry. 
He says, it will probably be a suave gentleman thief like Dennis Stanton playing Stanton's playful relationship to Jessica Fletcher from Murder. <laughs> oh my or God. Or perhaps a, perhaps a winsome willow slow dawning attraction to shy Tara from Buffy. <laughs> Keep up the great work, y'all. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe he referenced Dennis Stanton. <laughs> so I mean, funny. Come on. Does he it's get perfect. you or does he get oh, you? Oh, yeah. He gets me. He gets me. I would take a gentleman art thief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so delighted when I got that message. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Doug. That was awesome. You made me yeah. laugh. You made me cry. I appreciate it. You're great. I'm going to mark him into the pro throuple column. Though. Oh, my so God. Now, Rachel. <laughs> so now the, 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 I just want to bring the total to your attention. It is three pro, <laughs> zero con. <laughs> the pros are winning. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, oh, Ariel. <laughs> That was hilarious. What do do? I know Doug's the best. All right. <laughs> what are we doing on this extended episode aside from bringing the score from three to, to zero? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a little bit of a weird one today. 